All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, it was a really good performance. They came out flying. Yeah. Um, they had a little bit of a pause there where they let LA back in the game. But honestly, for through and throughout that game, it was uh, a really, really good performance. You know, you start to get some of these pieces like Hyman and Kane, Bukestad, for example. They're all starting to roll now, and that's really when the Oilers become a scary hockey team. Aaron is shaking in anger that you didn't include Brett Kulak in that sorry, little group. Sorry, there. Kulak. I've been loving his My game. boy, Brett Kulak. <laughs> Kulak's been unbelievable. He's been so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great to see him kind of elevating his game in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, we'll get into everything to do with this game. And yeah, there you go. The big smile on uh, the Stony Plain boy, Brett Kulak, with yes, Clean Costin being Clean Costin behind the scenes. Uh, if that would have been like a four three OT win, tight checking, Oilers are down and have to come back again. I think I would have felt different today, but it was a 6-3 win where they continue to expose what we called on the show yesterday the biggest weakness in Jonas Corpusalo, which was shots from the outside. He's really, really struggled with those. Uh, Vander Kane dings him on one early, which Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey actually pointed out the first time all season, the Oilers' yeah. second unit has scored. As the first time all year, they have a power play goal with all four of their big guns off the ice, which is also insane. Uh, but they exposed those weaknesses on Corpus Allo. And also, Sean, it felt like the Oilers have fully found a way to pick apart the system the Kings are playing with that 1-3-1. Yeah, like we'll start with the 1-3-1. Um, you know, earlier in the season, or <coughs> earlier in the series, sorry, you know, they, all they were doing was passing it to the right defense when they get to the red line and then they'd rim it around. And every single time the, def- the defense for the Kings would get to the puck first, they'd bump it back behind the net and they'd just have an easy breakout. So they started adjusting. And one of the things that they've done is they start to swing two forwards to the left-hand side. Yep. And one of them is that they start to hit those forwards. They hit the inside forward first and then they create that two-on-one on the right side of that one, three, one. And then obviously they chip it out. So for example, McDavid the goal that uh, he set up Kane for in LA was that exact example. He makes a quick move, slips it wide, and then they pick him apart in that exact spot that you were yeah. mentioning on Corpus Allo. And then the second thing they actually started doing was they went back to rimming that puck around. But what they did was the two forwards, they'd each pick a defenseman. So the outside forward would go straight down to the one defenseman mm-hmm. and the other guy would just wait for them to bump it back. And then he'd create that scrum, which has led to turnover. So they've really started to pick apart the one, three, one. And it's good to see because they're now starting to get a lot of chances. Yeah. Uh, it just really felt like they started to pick that apart. I love that you talked about the way the forwards were going in as well. And then Edmonton gets up in that hockey game. And one of the really telling moments for me was at the end of one of the periods when there was kind of like 15 seconds left and the puck floated back to the Oilers zone and Darnell Nurse stood up straight and the LA Kings four checker just stood there and looked at him, had no interest in playing the rest of that period hard. And it just shows like, again, this is something I think Oilers fans will remember from McClellan, <coughs> the end of McClellan's tenure here. There's no adjustment like the Kings. When you're down in a game, when you're down for two, you would think you would change and tactically try to get more aggressive to push things, but they just don't. Yeah, like they're just a team that's very, very defensive and they they rely on mistakes and that's how they create their offense. So every single time that they've generated offense or they've scored a goal, it's been generally off of a mistake by the mm-hmm. Oilers. So opportunistic teams don't necessarily have the gear to start pushing and be ultra aggressive, right? They've been, they've just predicated themselves off of the defensive end. 
And when you see like a team like the Oilers starting to feel it and they're coming at you with wave after wave of different players and forwards and you're getting secondary scoring, they're getting tertiary scoring. My boy Stewie likes to say um, it, it makes it hard for teams to, to try to create that. I mean, if you want to create, start a track meet with the Edmonton Oilers, you're going to lose 10 times out of 10 yeah. because they are so potent offensively. And yeah, you know, that's a good point too. Like they prey on mistakes. And when you think back to the game, the Kings came back on early in the year, early in the series, it was the Oilers shooting themselves in the foot, right? Giving them power plays, not picking up guys in front. And now last night, at least felt like the Oilers kind of went, Hey, we just don't turn over pucks. Don't make mistakes. We're going to be okay in this hockey game. Liam, was there any concern for you in that game from the Oilers or are you like me? Are you bubbling with excitement? I am bubbling with excitement, Tyler, but it, it is uh, <laughs> it is always scary in the playoffs when the other team scores. I think you could be up eight nothing and the other team scores and you're like, oh boy, what happens next? But the Oilers manage to just kind of counter it every single time. And yeah, overall played a played a very good game. I think it's very funny that the Oilers second unit has scored one goal all season because the Oilers do they ever have a two-minute power play when you actually think about it? Because the other unit comes out and then they basically just skate around for yeah. the last 15 <laughs> seconds and that's yep. it. And it's one of the best ever. It's quite amazing, really. But yeah, no, I think the others nailed down. It was, I was surprised they pulled Corpusello, though, to be honest. Like, it was 4-2. Like, it was still a tight yeah. game, but I felt like he was trying to do the same thing Woodcroft did in game four. I felt like that was like a wake up the team poll mm-hmm. because like the Kane goal, like we said, that's from the spot the Oilers have been getting to him, but Kulak backdoor sneaking in, nothing you can do there. Bukestad tipped one in Hyman took one off the face. Like, <laughs> I don't know how Corpus Allo could have stopped any of them. Yeah. Like the last two specifically are deflections. Like those are just kind of bad bounces. Yeah. And he even made that big save on, I think there was one on Kane. There's yeah. also one on dry saddle in the first period. I thought he had a res- reasonably good game and I, there's no doubt in my mind. We'll see him in game six. Yeah, um, I think they will go back to him. What about Stuart Skinner? Jay Woodcroft went back to his number one in game five, and I thought he was solid. Like, again, you go through those goals. Kempe picked the corner on him by field. That was blown coverage in front. Like, I don't blame Skinner for really any of those. His save percentage was sub 900 on the game, which isn't great, I suppose. It wasn't the statement game I was hoping for, but I still thought he made enough big stops to keep him in it. Yeah, he definitely did. Um, you know, the goals that the, that were scored against him, like there's really not much of a chance mm-hmm. that he had on those. And, you know, for the Oilers, they want to probably clean up some of those, uh, those goals that were scored against where it's just blown coverage or guys get lost in behind. Um, but, you know, if you look on the other side for the Kings, I think that McClellan's probably thinking that these guys are a bit sleepy. They didn't counter the pushes probably as hard as they expected. And the Oilers just kind of counteracted. Like they had that quick push and then the Oilers just went back on the gas again. So I think you're pulling Corpus Allo to say, boys, you guys got to wake up. We got to turn this into a series or we're going to be done. Because if you now just get torched as Corpus Allo and you give up six or seven, you might have a little bit of self-doubt that comes in your head because you're like, these guys keep picking me apart in that exact spot. And how many goals have been scored from the left-hand side now? It's been, what, four or five? And then you can add the other side with McDavid. Uh, so you're probably looking at six from distance. So you don't want your goaltender, your number one goaltender, starting to doubt himself. 
how sweet was the puck movement on this goal that we're watching right now with the little spin move from McDavid to Kane, no look back to dry sidle down low around. And then this was actually something on a few of the Oilers goals. The Kings coverage in the D zone was not great. Like dry sidle just shifts back into the slot and then just slowly creeps in and doesn't really get checked all too hard. I know he got knocked down, but like no one took a stick. And McDavid had time. There was a reverse angle they showed on the broadcast where you could like really see McDavid looked and almost like looked at the puck and did a double take like, oh, damn, like it's going to be this easy, is it? And they made it work. But Bukestad on his deflection, no one was on him in front of the net. They talked about it in the intermission. Uh, Bieksa made a good point about how Byfield totally lost Kulak on his goal as well. It just, again, felt like one of those games where the Oilers started to just be too much for this LA Kings team. Yeah. So they start to spread out the offensive zone. Like if you look at that first goal that you were talking about, there is quite a bit of distance between all three forwards. So now they start getting into the cycle game. They're activating the defensemen. The defensemen are literally going all over the place. Like they're down to the goal line. They're back up to the blue line. And once you start having that happen in the defensive zone, it's hard to cover guys. Mm-hmm. And that's where you see where, okay, David, Dreisaitl, Kane, you know, some of the big boys, the others, like they thrive off of that. They want guys to get lost and focus on them because they'll just start picking you apart by hitting guys in, uh, behind you. So it was uh, pretty impressive to watch. And I think that was a point for me where I'm like, oh, the Oilers are really feeling this. This is going to be a pretty good game. You know, let's get into some, uh, some more specifics from that game with our three big things for Betway 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Liam, we missed on dry settle over one and a half for the first time in this series. Hey, it was very disappointing. Mm-hmm. I did not win money last night, <laughs> but I had a great time. But an Oilers win makes up for that. It, it that really does. I did hit the dry saddle, the goal prop on that yeah. one. So that was that was something at least. I'm uh, halfway back. I know Aaron, again, had the Brett Kulak anytime goal and he was living good. Let's start with him. The goal was awesome. And it's great to see a guy like that get rewarded because I think he's been their most consistent defensive defenseman in this series. He's been actually fantastic. Um, so you know, watching the game last night on TV and they're, they're talking about some of the points and you see a guy like him, he's big, he can skate, he's positionally sound and all of that stuff is coming to fruition right now. You know, there's one clip I remember seeing where he goes back to the puck there's a guy on him. He holds him off with one hand. He just uses his speed, skates it all the way out, and then gets it in the zone. And you're like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Like, it wasn't that it was super flashy or anything like that, mm-hmm. but it was just one of those plays where you're like, it separated him from somebody else. And when you start to have guys that are your depth pieces doing that, now your team is really, really good and they're becoming more of a problem. So it, it's nice to see Kulak starting to shine and his confidence is at an all-time high. Like the confidence is just the thing for me. Yeah. Like early in the season, we were not seeing a guy make the little sidestep at his own blue line and then just skate the puck in. Yeah. Like there's been plenty of moments yeah. in this series where he hits, again, hits the red line and it'd be easy for him to one leg up, toss it in the corner. And he kind of now goes like, oh, I got space. I can burn this guy wide. And he's He's like extending looks, extending chances for this team. He's been awesome. It almost seemed like his confidence started to really peak after he had that missile of a shot in that 10-game winning streak. I can't remember the team that they played against, but he came down on the left-hand side, um, and he ripped that thing far side, and it was an absolute laser. And it almost seemed like the minute that happened and he got that goal is when his confidence just started to peak because ever since that time, He's been just steadily getting better and better and better. 
his first career playoff goal and his 44th career playoff game. We kind of talked about like, you know, the Oilers lost Duncan Keith and we we're like, oh man, that veteran leadership, you're going to miss it come playoffs. Like Brett Kulak's a guy now who's been on a couple of runs, went deep with Montreal, went deep with the Oilers last year. Then you include Ekholm in that group. I, I don't think they're missing anything in that department. And <laughs> Kulak, as mistaken Mexicans said in the chat, he's a peak playoff performer. He really is a guy whose game just kind of finds that little bit of a next gear come playoff time. Also should give a shout out to his partner, Vinny DeHarnay, who I thought was miles better in game five. That was his best game of the series. Yeah, he wasn't rushing plays. He was a little bit more safe. He was just, he was controlled in what he was trying to do. And, you know, guys like that, where they allow the game to start to come to them as opposed to trying to chase a game, they just settle in and their game amplifies. So once again, you get in the playoffs, like simplicity in playoffs matters mm-hmm. and making sure that you're predictable for your teammates, obviously unpredictable for the, the opposition team. It just elevates your game. So you see Kulak, like all of his strengths say you're going to elevate in the playoffs and that's what you're seeing. And because he's had those long runs, you know, with Montreal and these different teams, like it just helps. And that experience is, is shining through. Then you add Ekholm. Once again, he's been on long playoff runs, Like you've got a group right now that knows what it takes to kind of get to the dance. They don't know what it is necessarily to win it yet, but they definitely know what it takes to get to the dance. And you're seeing a team that's starting to figure that out now. Liam, you liked Vinny more last game? I, I didn't notice him, so that was that was nice. That is the that's that's the way you want it. The best thing you want from him. Nothing went in the back of the net. He made when he made a mistake. No, he's on the ice for the first goal, but that wasn't really his fault, was it? So Good game, Vinny. Keep it up. Roberg's been actually pretty good too. Yeah, he has been yeah. very good. I was actually surprised the minutes kind of went the way they did last. Fourteen night. at five on five yeah. for Vinny, eight for Roberg. Thought they'd be a little bit closer, they maybe do. like a twelve and twelve or something like that. But like I think that's Woody showing faith in his guy, right? I mean, just sitting there and saying, hey, "We're gonna have confidence in you." Like, there's a reason why we're keeping you in the lineup. There's a reason why you were a regular NHL defenseman from January 13th onwards, right? Uh, number two on my list of big things. How about big jugs? Nick Bukestad. I am not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. I was very wrong about this acquisition. I thought they paid too much. I looked at a guy who at times in his playoff career had been healthy, scratched in Minnesota. The book on him when you kind of talk to people who watched him a lot in his couple of playoff runs was he gets soft. He doesn't play hard. He gets disinterested or can appear disinterested at times. He looks Absolutely none of that right now. They end up giving him that second goal as well, the one they originally credited to Zach Hyman as well. Even just that big reach when he comes through the neutral zone or even when he's just hanging out in the neutral zone, disrupting plays, like this guy's a legit difference maker for the Oilers. Absolutely. It's like it makes sense as to why they tried to get him before. Right? Like I think they were trying to get him um, in the offseason. So it's a guy that fits what they need and for Bukestad like you come in you don't have to be a second liner you don't have to be a third liner we just need consistent minutes out of you so I think that's where you start to see his game shine because all of a sudden it's like I don't have to do anything other than be really solid and he's a guy that can contribute offensively he's proven it over the course of his career so now he's comfortable he sits there he's playing against guys that are not necessarily the top competition or the top d-man on the team and he allows his reach, his size to take over. And he's a, he's a hard guy to handle because of his sheer size. Liam? Yeah, I mean, that one play he made yesterday, too, where he just drove it straight to the net right from the corner there was just, you don't see a lot of the players doing that, especially through this series that like we haven't seen them 
get to those areas. And it felt like it almost set a bit of a tone for the others needed to do. Cause after that, um, Hyman got one off the face. Bukestad obviously just threw one right on that and it went in off the, the stick. And then also he scored the tip goal too. And he's just, it's been such a great addition for how much he costs financially too. Yeah. Like you, you're getting your bang for your buck for that guy. That is 400k for sure. against the cap. Oh, yeah. yeah. Way better than Derek Brassard last year. Yep, I would go ahead and say <laughs> Ken did better on this one. Uh, the nickname we gave to him, Long Derek Ryan. Yeah. And I mean, he's getting timely goals. He's effective kind of in all three zones. Like, I'm loving what I'm seeing it's from Nick really Bukestad. good on the PK. Yeah. Right? Like, he's just added a lot of different pieces to that Oilers team, and he's made them harder to play against. And, and you know, from Vinny DeHarnay with his sheer size to Bukestad to getting Kane back kind of towards the deadline, like, it's just a different team, and they're hard to deal with. Like, the one of the funniest things I saw all game was the fact that Right at towards the end when it was already, you know, six two or six three rather. Um, they wanted LA was starting to get a little bit squirrely. They're starting to get a little bit feisty. Dano was Deneau, after the whistle, like, yeah. gloving guys yeah, in between like, the lines, man. Get out of here, Dano. So then Woodcroft just puts out this massive line <laughs> and everything just quieted down. Yeah. But it's because you now the Oilers are able to play that game, right? So it's good to see. Yeah, the chat was actually talking about that and I wanted to bring that up next. Like how great was that? Just Again, Dursey was running around yeah. and he gave Fogel that hit. And then after the whistles, he was jumping up a bit. And Dano was being a little grease ball as he usually is. And Woodcroft just said, oh, man, enough of this. Like those five guys who were out there, because it was Nurse, Vinny, Bukestad, Klim, Kane. Klim and Kane. Yeah. Those five have never seen the ice together <laughs> in this season. And Woody, I can just, I wish we had video of Woody going up the bench and being like, you go, you <laughs> yeah. go, you go. No more bullshit. Like and, a little Timbits game. Like, All yeah. right, there you go, kids. And go get them. Clint, Clint was running around a little <laughs> yeah. too. He was looking for it. And the kids wanted nothing to do with him. They were avoiding him like the plague. It was so funny. It was uh, that, that play Dozy made on Fogel is so greasy. Just to, like cross check yeah. the guy so close to the boards like that. Like, I think that's way worse than like what yeah. a Kale McCaw did, to be honest. Like, it's never going to get treated that way, but it's just a play that's so avoidable. And I feel like the intent is there every single time. Yeah. Like, I, I know our guy, our guy, Jason Strudwick, has made this point a lot. Gregor makes this point a lot. I wish the NHL would clamp down on that. Yeah. And the yeah. point Gregor always makes is, the NHL has almost eliminated headshots. They recognize it as dangerous. They punished the hell out of it for like two, three years. It's kind of gone away. And then the punishment's kind of plateaued. If they did that for hitting from behind, I think it'd be the same thing. Like, it's just when you have a guy who is in that vulnerable spot and we're going to watch it here. Like, it's such a greasy play. Yeah. We've already seen that this series too. When yep. Kempe uh, cleaned out Bouchard, like, I think the Kempe one was worse. I think uh, honestly should have been a suspension, especially since we saw McCaw get the one game. Yep. And you see stuff like that. And this, look at the scoreline and the time too. To me, that isn't it. No maybe maybe I'm throwing it out there a bit too much, but it feels like an intent to injure. No, it, it you're not wrong by any stretch of the imagination. Like if he grabs him and he guides him into the boards, you're probably more comfortable saying yeah, this is sure. a legitimate hockey play. But yeah. you can see he's about to make a move and he cross checks him mm. directly in the back, and that's the stuff right there. Especially because it's like two feet from the wall. That's when there's like those serious injuries that yeah. can potentially happen, and you have to take this out of the game. You saw it like. Rewind back years ago, McDavid, same type of situation. Right. I think that was against Anaheim. Like that was yeah. a dangerous play. Like it just, 
it doesn't need to be part of the game, much like the headshots don't need to be part of the game. Because uh, is that fa- the famous video, I guess, of McDavid getting absolutely hammered and the refs just stood there watching yeah, it, right? Just there, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this, this looks clean. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Uh, uh, I like Brad dropping in the nicknames for Bukestad and Costin. He goes the Bugie Man. Oh, and one. then the Klim Reaper, which we've heard a lot. Klim Costin just has so many nicknames. It's, it's awesome. So the DJ at Roger's place has really got his craft nailed down. He's good. The yep. other day when Klim Costin scored, they played uh, the real Slim Shady. And then last night they played uh, California Here We Come. Yeah, I thought yeah, I heard that, that, one, that yeah. is so perfect. Uh, we got a handful of Kings fans in the chat right now, and they're they're giving up. Jimmy's in from a Kings <laughs> fan. Of course, I want my team to come back, but the Oilers are coming out of the West. You guys are on another level. Scott is in as well and said as soon as he says, as a Kings fan, you could feel the tide turn in your stomach when they blew that three goal lead. Of course, in game four in sports, you just know. And that was it right there. Like the Kings had a chance. Arvidsson late in that game. Breakaway on Jack Campbell. He scores that. It's 3-1 Kings, and this series could honestly be over right now. Mm-hmm. Campbell makes that save. Series-defining moment for me. Yeah, it was it was a massive save. Like, Campbell coming in, he, I think he honestly genuinely saved this season yep. right, for the team, and um, good on him. Obviously, he, he's had a much maligned uh, season so far, and a lot, he's taken lots of criticism, but he came in, saved it, um, but honestly, like, you know, the biggest difference is like, how are you going to keep the top two offensive players in the game off the score sheet for seven games, right? Like that's the biggest difference between these two teams. Like you remove McDavid and Drysaddle, it's really similar, Yeah. but because you have these two guys, like you just can't keep them off the score sheet and they elevate the play of other guys around them. So it's really difficult. Like the Kings have a fantastic team. They just don't have those two guys. Let's uh, Aaron flash this back up again so we can see the scoring leaders for uh, the series because this is the last one I got for our three big things for Betway. Okay. Connor McDavid has eight points in this series. <laughs> we are fully recognizing that. And I think it goes to show that even when you shut him down, you never really shut down Connor McDavid. But it's weird to see the level he's at right now. Last year, he hits this second gear in the playoffs that we haven't seen in decades in the NHL. And then he rolls it into a regular season that we haven't seen in decades. This century, we haven't seen someone do what he did. And yet in this series, I know he's got eight points in five games again. I get it. The points per game is there. (laughs) Not quite as many dangerous looks. They're still there. And he was... (laughs) I... mm. I was don't clip this. I don't need the internet coming at me fully on this. <laughs> he was bad defensively in game five. Like there are games in the regular season where he has tough moments defensively, but he was on the ice for three Kings goals at five on five in that game. And two of them, he was caught standing still and looking. It's just, I don't even know how to tee you up for this. But my comment is that it's weird to see the level he's at. Do I want to be teed up for this one? No, probably not. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like there's two goals that I know for sure. I think that guys got, he got, uh, they're lost in coverage and they're, everybody's puck watching. And and I think that's one of the biggest things. And, you know, there's been a couple goals that I've seen over the course of this series where it's like, if there was just a little bit of communication between a couple of the guys on the ice, most of these goals are taken away. 
And I would say it's the exact same thing for those two, those two goals in particular, because it's just as simple to be like, Hey, behind you, behind you. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, yeah, I turn around and now I stand right beside the guy and he doesn't score those goals. So that I think can probably improve from the other standpoint. And, you know, obviously McDavid, um, I don't really want to go down this path too much because I don't want to get destroyed, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's tough to watch because these are goals that you could easily avoid. Um, yeah. In terms of his offense, you just don't see that second gear. Um, he was starting to feel it a little bit, you know, yesterday he was starting to dance like he normally does, but you just don't see that sustained pressure or the sustained electricity out of him. Like you normally will. Liam, should Jay Woodcroft go the Michael Bunting route and healthy scratch Connor McDavid? (laughs) Well, (laughs) if we're looking at history of Jay Woodcroft in the playoffs, Vincent Dayane just sat on the bench the entire game again, game. What was it? Game four. Yeah. After allowing three. Wow. Come on, Woody. Yeah. Put him in the stands. Train him all the consistent, same. Woody, if you want to keep the respect to your players. <laughs> Tyler Mulek says McDavid 5.9 in, 5.9 loading. And that's the thing for me is like there is no concern of like, like at some point he's turning on the Jets and he's finding his gear and it's not just going to be for one game or two mm-hmm. games. It'll probably be for the rest of the playoffs. And maybe it doesn't come in game six, but whoever they face, if they were to move on to round two, I'm trying not to speak in absolutes here. That team has to be sitting there going, shit. The Oilers did that to the LA Kings, took care of them in six. And Connor McDavid was kind of idle for most of the series. Mm-hmm. It's it's coming. Like, I know it's coming, but it's just worth mentioning. And, and a it, bunch of you in the chat agreed. So, Is it just a situation where, like, LA is doing such a good job on him? Deneau's out there all the time against him. Yeah. Um, Doughty's out, out there all the time. Like, is it is that the situation that's going on where he's just... He's getting shadowed all the time. And they're just taking so much time and space away from him saying like, Hey, dry cell, you guys got to beat you got to beat us. Is that the situation that we're seeing? Is he hurt? Like what's, what's kind of going on with McDavid? Because you see flashes of it. Um, you saw it for the first four games. And obviously yesterday there was some times where you're like, Oh, here we go. Yeah. So is it something where he's now just starting to figure out like, here's the soft spots in their coverage. Here's a time that I can go because now it's a one, three, one, which is hard to, you know, take the puck up the ice by yourself against. So is this just something where he's trying to figure this out? And, you know, in game six, maybe he's going to be that dominant player that we see. I think so. And I, and I do think that's a good point about just that one, three, one again, like it's probably t- he generates a lot off the rush. Right. And if it's hard to really get your speed going through the neutral zone, then, then that's going to hurt his production a little bit. Um, a lot of you are just saying McDavid's saving it right now. Someone said the Oilers are using him as more of a distraction, just letting all the pieces around kind of move. And I do think there's maybe been a little bit of that, which is why I almost don't mind how Woodcroft's gone back to McDavid dry settle as a duo because it's, Hey, you want to have two guys shadowing him and keeping McDavid to the outside. Well, then it's a four on three with the guy who has what? 10 points in the series already kind of driving things. So I, I think that's fine. And we almost saw that on that dry settle goal again, right? It was two guys tight on McDavid. He made one quick pass and then the other two just kind of did the work. And then McDavid found a soft spot. So no concerns. No one is actually worried about Connor McDavid, but it's been interesting. If you would have told me, you know, hey, the Oilers are going to be up 3-2 and they're going to have X amount of goals so far in this series. I would have been like, man, probably McDavid having two points a game like he did last year. Just hasn't quite been at that level yet. Um, Yeah, Scott, again, a Kings fan in here saying their power, the Oilers power play is just so good. And yeah, 
the power play is at 57%. Like if you were a D man on the Kings and you saw that ref's arm go up, you would be shitting your pants. I just be like, don't even put me out there. Like, I don't want this. Just, just have the one. goal and we'll just go line up because this is going to end up in the back of the net. And the worst part about it is like, the Kings will dump it out 10 times in a row and they'll just come in and then I'll be like, okay, now it's time to score and they'll score. It's honestly been so ridiculous watching this power play. And if you're even the coach from the other team, if you're Jim Hiller, who's sitting there on the iPad and you're looking at this thing and you're like, okay, McDavid's here this time. Okay. Now he's feeding it to dry saddle. Then they just switch and you're like, okay, well, what, what's the look like they're trying to do now? Yep. Like there's no answers for this power play. And now you got the boosh bomb just teeing up pucks all over the place, putting off people's faces. Like you, there's no answer honestly for this power play. They actually make it like a little bit difficult to, to know what the setup is exactly going to be because yep. obviously most of the time we see dry saddle on the one side of McDavid on the other, but there was one power play for most of yesterday where dry saddle was just stood in the middle. And then it was just McDavid and Nuge on the sides. It's like, okay, well, what's this luck? And it's, they're just so smart in the way they, they're all able to just adjust so well. And 57%, that's the higher marks than I got in high school. <laughs> that's a great line. Like, yeah, like if you're if you're the Kings, the last thing you want is dry settle to stand in the middle right, yeah. in the, in the high danger opportunity mm-hmm. chant, like area of the ice. But like you know, there's been plays where all of a sudden he just turns his back to McDavid. McDavid puts it on a stick and then he just rips it. And you're like, you have to respect all these guys on the ice because they're so dynamic and so dangerous that who do you leave open? They talked about the one where it's like Kopitar starts to cheat low because now they're they're looking for dry set on the mm-hmm. middle, middle. And then all of a sudden they just tee up Bouchard and his shot's unbelievable. Yeah. He's got a very accurate shot. So then you overextend against Bouchard and then you open up the bumper spot. Like it's just, it's too dynamic to try to cover. Yeah. It, there was even a, a point yesterday when it was dry saddle. McDavid had to puck and dry saddle just started walking to the net and started waving his stick in oh, front yeah, of yeah. Gavrikov. It's <laughs> like, so what is this one now? It's just like, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alex Neal pointed this out in the chat and I went to go double check it. It has been 46 days since the Oilers lost in regulation. 20 games in a row. Oh my God, you guys got to knock on wood right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah, no kidding. I thought maybe you were just going to hit this and like celebration, get the cohort going. Uh, last time they lost in reg was the March 11th game against the Leafs that they blew. Um, so since the beginning of March, they've lost twice in regulation. It's been quite the run for this Oilers team. Sean, before we let you go, do they close it out in six? I think they do. Uh, I think the guys are starting to feel it. You've got your secondary scoring starting to feel it. And now all the pieces are in place. And once that happens, the others are going to be too much for the Kings to handle. There you go. Appreciate your time today. As always, Sean, thanks for hopping in. Always a pleasure. There you go, Sean Bell for our friends at Star Mechanical. You need 24-7 emergency service. Boom, they got you. 780-481-8873. See you next week. Selling a little? or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, we are just rolling through a ton here. Show's already 33 minutes <laughs> that in. That is a full... Yeah, that, that is a full Budweiser cooler. <laughs> Uh, here, Gavin, let's go. Let's get to our uh, cooler question brought to you by our friends at Labatt Canada and Greta, where we will be live on Saturday. Originally, I was going to host. Aaron and I decided we're going to like tag team it, Wu-Tang it or something like that. We're going live from Greta? No, no. Oh, well, no. we'll just be. Well, yeah, the party okay. is Hosting there. the party. And I oh, am dang. hearing some rumblings that we are very close to sold out for Saturday. Mm. So if you want to get in, GretaBar.com and go make your reservations our playoff parties have been electric this one a saturday night downtown edmonton with the series on the line the bud lights are going to be going down smooth is all i'm saying let's get to our cooler question today just while you're rooting for you there for the question tyler 99 likes let's get to 150 today we got a little bit of time left on the show people are asking to frank tomorrow Frank tomorrow. Frank yeah, sorry guys. Tomorrow. Frank had to bail on today and we had Belzy, so we figured we'll uh, we'll do tomorrow. He's got a new trade target, so with a couple of days off, we'll we'll get to some other stuff tomorrow on the show. Our question on a nice crisp Budweiser. What are you doing to pass the time during the off days? You know, it's funny. I didn't know this was actually the question. I was thinking about what I'm going to do for the next couple of days. So yesterday, I finished Game of Thrones, Tyler. Nice. Uh, disappointing ending. I can see why people were frustrated on that. I made a tweet about it. Go let me know what you think. Yep. I think I'm going to dig into succession. What are you doing? Is that is that the kind of question? Answer yeah, no, that, oh, okay. that's what I was looking for, honestly. Uh, oh, well, tonight's a weird one because the Jays are playing right now. Yes. So I have like no Jays to watch, no Oilers to watch. I'm probably going to watch Seattle, Colorado tonight. I will. If I'm being honest, yeah. tomorrow I'm probably going to watch Tampa, Toronto. But tomorrow I'm also going to hit the golf course. I'm going to go oh, play yeah. nine in the evening, a nice evening nine. That's a good idea. I, actually, I am going to, and this fits nicely, but I am legit going to Boston Pizza tonight with all my friends for the Fanalytics menu and all that kind of stuff. We're also going to Boston Pizza in like 20 minutes but with it's, Christopher it's, Palmer. It's Wednesday. You know, I so get You go for your cheesecake. I know. <laughs> I like going for, I'm a Wing Wednesday guy. And today I was chatting with my girlfriend and I was like, oh, uh, probably not going to do mm. BPs twice in a day, but maybe you're inspiring me, Liam. Try the cheesecake. Let me know what you think. There you go. You got to pre-call them, though, otherwise it might be frozen still. Not many people get it yet. Shout out to uh, <laughs> our friends at Labatt and Greta for the uh, cooler full of beers. I might take a couple, bring them golfing. Don't tell the golf course I'm going to. I said that either. Anywho. Oh. 
Uh, you mentioned Boston Pizza and the Fanalytics menu, Liam. Pull that out of the way. We will be there in 25 minutes with our friend Christopher Palmer, who won lunch with the two of us and Jay. Yeah. I know Jay's chilling somewhere around here, uh, so we'll have to all hop in the nation truck. Christopher's already there, so we got to wrap up this show and get down there. Um, but anyways, our uh, stats from yesterday's game are powered by Boston Pizza and their Fanalytics menu. How about the triple play? Your new favorite super team. Cactus cuts, tie bites, bandera bread. Do you think we're going to try this? Do you want to? Yes. We can order whatever. We, that is true. I think we should do the triple play. Okay. And then also probably a piece of flight. I like that play. Yeah, I think that okay. fits nicely. All right. Maybe a cold one as well. Maybe a Budweiser. As well. Put some ice in that thing. Giddy up. Look at that. That looks delicious. Anyways, the numbers from last night. I'm going to throw you two things right here. Did that feel like the best the Oilers played at five on five in this series? <laughs> uh it did, yes. It felt it, that way, it, right? It felt like they dominated the game in all aspects. It really did. According to the numbers, that was their worst game at five on five. The shots were 26-21 for LA. Shot attempts were 50-34 to 34 for LA. And uh, the scoring chances were 22-21 for LA. But the goals were 4-3 Edmonton. It was a weird flip-flop of the way things have usually gone in this series. So some interesting numbers, courtesy of our friends at Boston Pizza. Maybe part of it was, so Aaron, can you flash this board up, please? The shot count there is 28-27, right? Yeah. I feel like the Oilers have, when they've had to win games, they've had to put up like 40 shots. They've just had to absolutely bury Corpusello in those, in wherever they can when the power plays aren't coming. So maybe that has like a little bit to it, having the lead so large throughout the game. And maybe just honestly learning from your mistakes a little bit and like where they've just blown leads by doing that, just changing up the recipe a little bit. But it is interesting to see like McDavid and those guys just not, I don't know. It seemed weird, right? Because they yep. did absolutely dominate, but yeah, evidently that was just not the case. Yeah. Rusty says, interesting numbers are only half the story though. The eye test says Edmonton dominated that hockey game. And I agree 100%. Like it just, when it got 3-2, I was kind of like, oh boy, we're not out of this yet. But that second period was the pedal to the floor moment. When you mm. score twice and you're going into the third, up 5-2, it's just kind of like, you'll be able to put this away. What's funny, Aaron? You're just laughing at the chat. Yeah. Oh, the chat's buzzing in, in a certain way. They asked if we fear anybody, and I said, I fear nobody. I fear the cat food I have to eat tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Are you doing it on the show or on real life? On the show. Oh, baby. With Frank? <laughs> Well, that's another reason why Frank wanted to switch to tomorrow. Yeah, oh, I know. Boy. The wrinkles keep going. So here are the parameters. First off, there's a few things that have annoyed me with this. This was a deal and a wager. Barely a wager because I stood nothing to gain, but that's that fine. true. There was no win for you unless Boston no. missed. Yeah, of course. But I made this with the chat. This is between me, you, Aaron, to some extent, and the however many people who watch this show, okay? Mm. Yep. All of a sudden, you got Sarah Valley putting in rules, being like, gotta eat the whole tin. No, I don't. There were no rules. There That's were no true. parameters. I just said I'd eat cat food, and I will. I'm a man of my word. I'll do it. You have Gregor being like, he should eat both dry and wet. What sense does that fucking make? Why would I do any of that? Bagged milk going, I am going to present a charcuterie board of cat food and you're going to try all the different flavors. No, I'm not. Why would I do that? There was no like, I didn't need permission from Major League Baseball to do this thing, man. There was no express written consent from anyone. Oh, I will man. do whatever the hell I want because it's a wager I kind of made with myself by commenting it in the chat. I have a question for you. Have you learned from your mistakes? 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do things like we did with Aaron yesterday. I was like, hey, Brett Kulak scores, chug a beer. I didn't go, hey, Aaron, full tin of meow mix if, if Brett Kulak finds the back of the net. Yeah, I got the better end of that. Oh, my We have goodness. listeners buying cat food being like, eat this. Someone dropped off. What flavor was it? It's like A, tuna. a guy literally came to Greta yeah. with his own cat food. It was like tuna and shrimp. You. I wouldn't eat tuna prepared for a human. It's disgusting. <laughs> Why would I eat it prepared for a cat? Tyson says, I'm with Tyler. There were no rules set. So however much cat food Tyler wants to eat is fair. I will have a spoon. I will take one spoonful of the cat food. I will look at this camera. I will eat it. And then I will throw it in the garbage because that is where it belongs. Or I'll leave it outside and see if we can attract some stray cats to the <laughs> office. Hey, we do need a, an office pet. I'm going to put some of those beers in the fridge and I'll wash it down with a beer after. Aaron, did you chug the beer? People are asking. Yeah, there was video. I sure did. Yeah. I have a video. Yeah. I'll post it later. Um, so my friend. And it was a tall boy. My friend Greg is in the chat. Hey, Greg. So just on this is a food thing too. A punishment that we have for our fantasy football league is you have to eat an onion, like a full raw onion. The whole thing. As much as you can oh, live yeah. on Facebook. And nobody has completed the onion yet. And every single person has, has vomited almost immediately after. So looking forward to the cat food. I don't think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I think it'll be the texture that'll be gross. I don't think the food itself will be that bad. Because realistically, it's just meat. It is just meat. Yeah, and like there are laws that like you can't. There are laws that you can't like make food for pet or for like dogs or cats that isn't like safe for human consumption. Yep. So it's not all that concerning, but uh oh. Davin says onions are delicious. I don't think you've ever just taken a bite out of one like an apple. I've been listening to you outside the door. You are no, you deserve worse than this because you've kicked this bet down the line for weeks now. No, I haven't. I am going to make you a feast, a fancy feast. That you deserve because you are my king, but you are going to get a sampling of all the different cat foods and all the different genres and all the different flavors that your palate can consume, my friend. <laughs> this should have been done weeks ago. We are almost wrapping up around one and I'm not taking any of this. You're being way too selective and I feel like you've lost that privilege. You can, get, you can go through the work of doing all of that. I will not eat it. So, Chad, light them up. They're not. They're all on my side. No, no, no. Chat, here's what I want to do. I want to set up a charcuterie board, a different flavors. Tyler will compare them all. Just a little bite of each. I might do the show from home tomorrow. Just so I <laughs> just don't a little have to deal bite with of each. Nonsense. And I'm going to, I'll cover it. I'll handle it. You know what? Oddly enough, it's not the cost that's concerning <laughs> me. I'm going to take care of this for you and I'm going to treat my oh, friend no. well. I want you to have the best cat food experience that you can possibly imagine. Mistaken Mexican says you need to go spoon for spoon with me if you want me to do the platter. <laughs> Why? I didn't do the bet. I'm just here as a Ex conduit. Wait, wait. Exactly. Uh, Alex says I'm on Tyler's side. Uh, Tyler Mulek says I love the idea. Save it for another bet. Sure. If Bag Milk wants that, he can put something on the line. Uh, Les says Tyler's right. He only needs a bite. Uh, Island says you'll be wasting your money. Uh, Davin says if Tyler does that, you have to do a 2 BM. Where's Bag Milk's laying down the law? We've got a lot of support here, too. I think that this is getting kicked down the road too much. People, we want Tyler to have an experience, not just a little nibble. That's hardly satisfying the bet. 
I think me eating a whole spoonful of cat food on camera is satisfying the bet. And guess what? My bet. What uh, if I add in a little bit, a couple of shekels for charity on top of this bet? Not going to change my mind. Oh, now Tyler's turning down charity money. Oh, no. All right. Uh, okay, we do have to wrap up because we are going to Boston Pizza with our guy Christopher Palmer. Uh, first, though, AMA Travel Out of Town scoreboard tonight. Two games. Liam, do the Panthers keep their season alive? I say no. I'm taking Bruins puck line on Betway. I'm going to say no, and I'm with you. I'm going to go Betway because Panthers are going to be down late, obviously, in the game. Hold the goalie, bang a couple home. I might honestly go Bruins minus two and a half. How's I this? That. I will participate with you. I'll go bite for bite with you. Mm, I'll think about that. All right. <laughs> uh, let's second- raise a little money for charity and let's go bite for bite on this. We'll extend it another little bit and we'll make this bet bigger. We'll make it fancier. We'll make it the biggest cat food feast either of us have ever participated in. We'll guarantee it. <laughs> second game tonight, Seattle, Colorado. Yep. Seattle. You think it's Seattle tonight? There's too many guys out. Kel McCall is not going to be there. Nichushkin, uh, Landeskog, obviously. Seattle, are they missing anybody? I don't think so. Plus 150 on the money line. I know he's in Colorado, but I like that a lot. They're just the juice is there. Would it be crazy to even go puck line? I can't even find what it is, but I might go puck line in Seattle. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little wild. It. I got to make up on it. my dry saddle bet from yesterday. Always bet responsibly. Always bet responsibly. Uh, all right. That is a wrap on today's show because we got to load up in the nation truck and head downtown to meet up with our boy, Christopher Palmer. First, some shout outs are in order. First off, Sports Closet. We're live from the Sports Closet studio. Sean Bell popped by for our friends at Star Mechanical. Betway, Boston Pizza, their fan analytics menu, the AMA Travel, Out of Town Scoreboard, and of course, Greta, where we're going to be partying hard on Saturday. It is filling up. It might be sold out by some point this afternoon if it's not already. So, you, oh, it is. Yeah, we're sold out. Uh, but still, I think we have some walk-in spots. So we hope to see everyone on Saturday at Greta. Going to be a good time. We still have three more editions of this show yeah. until game six. So giddy up. Enjoy the night off, everybody. And we'll chat again tomorrow. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.